Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to uh, go back to a scripture we were looking at, a portion we were looking at last week, and that is... John 16, 12 through 15. But before we do that, just to, that's where we're going to talk today, but just to, to, to set the, the context and to remind us, there's two passages in the 14th chapter, uh, there's one in the 15th chapter, and then there's one in the 16th chapter just above this one. So let's read those again to put everything into context. In uh, first, or, or excuse me, in, in, uh, in John, In the 14th chapter, in the 15th verse, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper. The older King James translated that word comforter. He said, I will give you another comforter. Bible scholars say of all of the seven names uh, or characteristics that can be derived from that word, helper is probably the most comprehensive. And so many new te- uh, modern New Testament translations will use this word helper instead of comforter, though comforter is one of them. He said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Of course, we know what that word another means, another of the same sort. And it's talking about the same sort as Jesus. Jesus had been their helper. And he said, I'm going to pray the Father and he's going to give you another helper just like me. Praise God. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Listen, we can't be too upset with the world when they don't see and know things. They don't have what we have. Amen. Says, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So he said at the time that this was uttered, just in the hours before Jesus was uh, 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 surrendered over to the Jewish, Jewish authorities. He said, he's with you and you know him, but he's gonna be in you. Glory to God. Well, we've come to that time where he's in us. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you orphans. Oh, I'll tell you, there's a lot in that statement. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you, but we'll move on. Glory to God. Go on over to the 25th verse of this same chapter. Jesus then said, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. So he's, by saying that, he's inferring that there's going to be a time when he's not with them. So this is the context. He said, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will spend, who, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. If you turn back real quick to the, Uh, previous verse and uh, notice it says he will abide with you forever the world neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you again we're talking about a person the Holy Spirit is a person so uh, on in there back, back again rather to the 26th verse the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things 
and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And let's go over then to the 15th chapter and let's look at verse 26. Jesus said, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And then in the 16th chapter, we'll start in verse 7. And like I said, we're really going to comment on verses 12 through 15. But let's start in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. You know, the way this is worded, it, it almost suggests that Jesus, that we have the idea that the helper came because Jesus went away. But he, he seems to suggest here that he went away so the helper could come. Did you see that? He said, it's necessary that I go away because if I don't go away, the helper can't come. That puts it in an entirely different light. That we, when I say we, the church at large has never really understood the critical need of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. How important his ministry to us is. Jesus said, I must go away so he can come. Because if I don't go, he can't come. Ooh, glory. That should stir us up. Amen. Amen. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe on me. Of righteousness because because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now let's pick up in verse 12 where where we were earlier. And... He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, we talked about this last week. And of course, the, 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 probably the most fundamental uh, meaning of this, he's saying that I have more to tell you, but, but you can't bear them now. Well, the reason they couldn't bear them is because the helper hadn't come. The spirit of truth had not come to live in them. He was in Jesus. But you'll recall many times the Lord Jesus tried to teach these disciples things. And how many times do we read that it just went right over their head? They misunderstood and he would explain things. And and the next time he would say, well, don't you remember what happened? Don't you remember what was said? How can you ask me these questions? Jesus would say, don't you know? Well, you know, he, he, he was doing his best to explain, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit, so they weren't able to receive things. Well, in that sense, we're not in that condition. Amen. Notice the condition is not God's. The condition was theirs. There was nothing wrong with Jesus. It wasn't that his will, it wasn't that he didn't will to tell them many things. He said, I still have many things to say to you. So it's, his will hasn't changed. His purpose hasn't changed. They had to change because they weren't able to bear them. Well, thank God we've had that change. 
We have been born again. Glory to God. Our spirits made alive by the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we are sons of God, children of God, with his nature and his Holy Spirit living in us. So on that level, now we are able to bear them. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, even today... He still has many things to say. How many of you would, would, would acknowledge that there are still a few things? <laughs> Speaking facetiously, obviously. There are a lot of things that he has that we haven't heard yet. So today, there are still many things he wants to say to us. He didn't say everything he needed to say just to the apostles in the first century. Now he gave them all of the word that contains the revelation for the entire church age. Everything he has to say when he says it, you'll find its foundation in what he told these apostles. What we have recorded in the New Testament is what, this is his truth for the church age, the New Testament, particularly the epistles. I heard one preacher say the epistles were all those things that Jesus left unsaid. Well, in a sense, that's true because it's all here, but, but he still has things to say to us about this. He still has things to reveal to us. And not just a few, many things. When we go through life with our ears closed and our eyes closed spiritually... Think about how much we miss. Think about how, how uh, devastating it would be to miss one or two of the things that you've heard from God. That the Spirit of God has shown you and revealed to you that changed your life. What if you hadn't heard it? What if you hadn't been in a place to hear it, to bear it, to understand it, to receive it? Amen. Now again, the foundation for anything he's going to say can be found right here. It'll be based upon this. But he will, he will enlighten us and illuminate this word to us in, in areas of our life where we need it. And there are many Men, he said, I still have many, I'm just thrilled with that. I still have many things. Woo, glory. That's just, that's, that's exhilarating. That just thrills me. There's so much more and there's, and there's not anything ahead of me that one of these many things won't take care of. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. He said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Well, the reason very often that we cannot bear them is because we haven't uh, grown as much as we should. We're not as spiritual as we should be. Sometimes some have become hard of hearing. Remember we talked about that a few months back? Becoming hard of hearing, having closed their eyes. And so Jesus said, take heed. 
what you hear. Take heed what you hear and to what you hear and be doers of the word. See, instead of, instead of focusing on what we don't know, let's instead focus on what we do know and act on that. And if we'll act on what he has said to us, he'll say more to us. But when we don't do and act on what he says, then he stops speaking those further things. He wants us, he'll he'll keep you in first grade as long as you'll stay there. Now, now in our modern culture, we, we, uh, we promote people, social promotions. You know, we just move them on because we get tired of them. They're too big to be in that class. So we just move them on up. The Lord, Lord will let you stay in first grade till you're gray-headed. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. We don't, there's, there's not any uh, social promotions. Amen. We need to hear what he says and act on it. And when we act on it, then we open our ears to hear more. More of the many things he has to say. Glory to God. Well, how much, how much more is available? He said, I have many things to say. Well, how, how much? How much is available? Well, he said right here, uh, he said, all things in verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. All things Jesus said that the Father has are mine. Well, we know this from Romans chapter 8, that we are, that, that means everything the Father has belongs to Jesus. You could say he has inherited all things from the Father. Well, Romans 8 says we are joint heirs with him. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. And, and how much is that? Well, everything the Father has. Everything he has is available to you and to me. So in in life, as we go through life, we must be ever conscious of the reality when we hit a hard time, on a hard place, in a difficult place. Instead of stopping and being overwhelmed with the, the difficulty and how hard it is and what, what, what a challenge it is and, and, and how uh, uh, discouraging it is. Instead, we should immediately look to the one on the inside and say, now, Lord, what do you have to say about this? What do you have to say here? Oh, glory to God. And there is plenty of wisdom to meet your crisis to serve you, to minister to you, to reveal to you, to open up to you everything you need in that, in that moment. I'm telling you, you've heard this said before, and I've, I've said it. I heard somebody say it many, many, many years ago, and it's, a, and it's a wonderful thing. He said, one word from God can change your life forever. One word from God. One word. Why? Because the word is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. One word from God. One answer. Just one word. Can, if you take it, if you have ears to hear, 
Oh, so often people are missing that one word. There's a word in that's, that God has for them that will change their life. But they walk on. Looking everywhere except where the answer is. But oh, glory to God. How many, how many of you can testify? There have been times in your life when God just revealed, just spoke something to your heart. And oh my goodness, what a difference it made. Just turn, I mean, the clouds disappeared. The light began to shine. You saw your path and, and, and moving forward, you can look back and say that moment when God spoke to me and revealed his will and his knowledge to me, man, it just changed my life. And I've been, I've been living in the, in the flow of that all of these years. Can you testify to that? Oh, hallelujah. Well, there are many of those things. Not just a few. He said, I have many things to say to you. Amen. Oh, glory to God, man. That, I tell you what, that just gives me hope. That gives me uh, uh, an outlook. Praise God. We have something to look forward to. Amen. We have more understanding to look forward to. Oh, glory to God. No wonder Jesus said it is necessary. It is essential. It is vital that I leave. Because if, see, Jesus, when he was here, he couldn't live inside his disciples. He was a physical man, a being. And he could only communicate as a man, now anointed by the Spirit, but he still had the limitations of just, you know, speaking from one man to another. But oh, goodness. He said, I'm sending another helper like me and he's, he's not just gonna be with you through me. He's gonna be in you. Oh, glory. And it, the, the indwelling of the heart, not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's another work of the Spirit altogether. We're, we're primarily talking in all of these sessions about what he does in us in the new birth and the in the indwelling of the spirit that is uh, uh, the reality of every born again Christian has the spirit in him and in the new birth and in that spirit of truth who lives on the inside of us there is the answer for everything for every challenge for every need. Glory to God. And if Christians would learn to look to the inside. If we would learn to look to the, to the, to the, to the anointing on the inside. The spirit on the inside. Oh glory to God. Hallelujah. I tell you what. The church would be different. The church would be different. And the world would be different. The whole world would be different. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus said, all things that the Father has are mine and I will take of all those things and show it to you. Praise God. Now we talked about this last week and this was where we were kind of, where we kind of ended. He says here in verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, 
But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus said, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will guide you into all truth. We pointed out that that the word guide infers a process. He doesn't just pick us up and reach way out in the depths of all of his truth and just drop us in. We drown. (laughs) No, he guides us into it. One step at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. One day at a time. (laughs) He guides us. But he guides us into all truth. He doesn't guide us into anything that's not true. And, and I think it's important to go back over to 1 John where we were looking last week in the, the second chapter of 1 first, of first John and point out how he does this one more time. Verse 20 says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. That anointing is the Holy Spirit. Here it's just called the anointing, but it's, it's the Holy Spirit. And you know all things. Well, obviously that's talking about we have the potential of, of knowing anything we need because the one who knows all things is in us. Amen. In verse 24 it says, Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If you heard, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Let that anointing, let that leading, let that witness of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit that you, that you received at the beginning abide in you. And if you will stay in, in that flow, if you, will, if you will continue to let that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you will never stray from the Father or the Son. You'll never be led into false doctrine. Verse 27 says, but the anointing, well, let's look at verse 26. These things I have written to you concerning those who tried to deceive you. There are people out in that, that this isn't just talking about demon spirits. This is talking about people. I've written these things to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But what's the answer? The anointing which you have received from him, that which you heard from the beginning. If what you have received from him abides in you, you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same. Underscore the, those, that word there, those two words, the same anointing. The same anointing. Because see, that's, that's referring back to verse 24. Let that abide which, in you which you heard from the beginning. If that same anointing abides in you as that same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you that is in the past, you will abide in him. I told you about... Uh, the, the, the story about the minister that was teaching false doctrine, how one very astute Bible scholar, really, who knew the Bible 
and was somewhat of, I mean, you would consider him a mature Christian. He started going to this uh, deceptive teaching meeting that had some truth in it, but had some error. And he fell for it. He was deceived un, until he, he got so far into it. Then finally, when this uh, uh, errant, uh, erroneous preacher, when he finally really started saying some things that were just so bizarre, this, this uh, older Bible scholar, he, he went to him and said, now, wait a minute, I've gone with you so far, but I can't follow this. He said, you're going to have to show me this in the Bible. And the man said, well, you won't find what I'm preaching in that thing. <laughs> this man said, well, you, you know, if you can't find, if, if, you're, if, you're consi- if you consider this that thing, then you're too far out for me. Amen. But then, now how did that happen? How could someone who knows the scripture not be alerted? Because he stopped listening to hear and was just listening to hear. In, in, the, in the realm of deceptive doctrines, I tell you what, your brain and your intelligence won't be enough to save you. Because there are some people out there who are so persuasive. And, you know, uh, if you were going to, to, to poison, uh, 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 you know, a, a rabid animal that was in your neighborhood or something, you wouldn't put just poison out. You'd put some good food out and put some poison on the food. Isn't that right? Well, you know, these false doctor, doctrines and these false teachers that, that are so uh, prevalent in the church today, they don't just come out with all false doctrine. They come out with a lot of good stuff. But see, sprinkled in there. And, and if you just rely on your natural uh, wisdom and, and, and even Bible knowledge... You're, to start with, you're in pride to begin with, but beyond that, you're going to be deceived. But here on the other, and that's what happened to this man. But at the same time, I told you about the other woman who went to the same meeting, and she had just been saved a short time, just a, just a little while. Not, not hadn't grown hardly at all. And she went one time, and she left, and she told somebody, I, I can't go back there, that man's not right. Well, she didn't know the Bible well enough to know whether what he was saying was right or not. But you see, she had recently come to Jesus. And that, and that anointing that she heard, that she received at the beginning, was still so fresh and so alive in her. When she heard someone speaking of another spirit, she just picked it up. That's not the same. It wasn't based on her knowledge of the Bible. There, are, there have been ministers over the years that have come on the scene nationally. And have, and have really uh, uh, made a, a huge impact on the church. And many people uh, in the body of Christ have been taken in by these false teachers and these false doctrine. And, and I've discussed this with, with different preachers who have fallen prey to this. And they've said, yeah, but this is in the Bible. This is what he's saying, Brother Edmund. This is the, this is the truth. I, this is in the Bible. Yeah, all of those things are true, but the sum total of them, the way he interprets those things are not true. And many times, I would say, every time I can think of, as soon as I heard 
that minister speak, before I even heard what he was saying, I knew down in here, that person's not right. I didn't, I, now I, I listened a little while and read some things and then I could see where, where the error was. But as soon as I heard him speaking, I knew that's not right. There have been ministers who made what we call a big splash. You know, they came on the scene and people were just, uh, you know, all uh, excited about their ministries and they were having all kinds of wonderful things happening and signs and wonders and all of these great things happening. And, and I listened one time and I, and I, and I knew that's not the same. That's, that doesn't bear witness with that same spirit I received when I got back in fellowship with the Lord. When I, when I come to know Jesus again, that, 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 that witness, that reality, that, that knowing, that sense of, of awareness that I received when I received Jesus doesn't bear witness with this. And, and many times it, it was the spirit that the man was operating in. And I, just, and I just know, I said, and I've told people before, I said, you mark my words, the time will come when it'll come out. The truth will come out. Sometimes it, it's taken a while, but then the truth comes out. And it's not because I'm a know-it-all. I'm not saying that to, to infer that at all. I'm saying this is available to every Christian. You cannot judge things just by your mind's interpretation and your mental knowledge of the word of God because I said there's some people out there that are so slick and, they have, and they're operating in, 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 in the powers of the devil and your, your intelligence is not enough. You have to judge things in here. Amen. And that's what he was talking about. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. I don't care if a thousand people that you know are going after someone and following them. You listen to that, that same anointing which you had at the beginning, which you heard from the beginning. And as that teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and is not deceptive. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Well, praise the Lord. That's so important. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now, let's go back to, to uh, John 16. I, I know I went over this last time, but there, I just had a little bit more in me to say about that. Sometimes we, we need to hear it said differently. Amen. Look at the, the latter part of verse 13. And he will tell you things to come. Oh, glory to God. He will tell you things to come. Now, the high church interpretation of this statement is that Jesus was talking to the apostles. He was talking to his uh, 12 or 11 disciples, the apostles, and that they would be the ones to write the New Testament and all the way through John, you know, the book of Revelation, and that was the ultimate uh, uh, meaning here was the revelation about the future of world events and the end times, that those were the things that Jesus was referring to that here when he said he will show you things to come, he was talking to the apostles. I don't believe that is, I believe that's part of it, but that is not all of it. He is talking to all of us. He said he will tell you things to come. 
We need not be in the dark concerning what's ahead in life. Amen. Some things that he tells us about the future uh, is simply to prepare us for what's ahead. Many times he will tell you things to come. You will get a glimpse or an enlightenment of something that's going to happen. And it's so that you can get ready. I've never had a a, uh, prominent leader leave this church that I didn't know about it ahead of time. I I knew when uh, Lance and Janice Fricky, before they ever came to me, I knew they were leaving. I knew when Ike and Cindy uh, were going to be lit before they ever talked to me about it. I knew it. And, and what that did is it helped prepare me so that I could begin to set. Now, those were good moves. Now, sometimes where, where other things are concerned, you know, I haven't always known. But I'm talking about core, uh, uh, you know, staff and leadership in the church. I, I, I've known ahead of time. Why? Because he said he would tell you things to come. And that way you can begin to make adjustments and start making preparations. Oh, how valuable is that? We ought to experience that in our lives. We ought to know some things. We ought not to be blindsided all the time. Just go through life, you know, just being buffeted around by by everything that happens, being caught off guard. That's not the will of God. No, he he has a way of informing us and preparing us. For what's ahead. Because some things are going to happen like those things were good things. They, they, I, it was good and right. We, they needed to. It was God was calling them on. But then as the, as the pastor here, I needed to know too. And I needed to know before they chose to tell me. <laughs> Amen. And so, you know, he works on both sides. Now, some things that he will tell you about things to come is not so that you will just accept it, but so that you can change it. Some things that he, see, that's where people get confused. They say, well, now, if he showed you that something was going to happen and it didn't happen, then that couldn't have been God. Well, no, that's not true. You remember when Isaiah went to Hezekiah and he said, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall surely die and not live. Thus saith the Lord, you shall surely die and not live. But it says that Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. I mean immediately. Immediately. Turned his face to the wall and began to weep. And began to plead his case before the Lord. And began to repent. And it says before Isaiah got out of the house, before he got out of the courtyard, the Holy Spirit said to him again, turn around and go back into to, to, uh, Hezekiah and say, thus says the Lord again. <laughs> this second thus say of the Lord was different than the first thus say of the Lord, but they were both the Lord. Because you see, under the certain, under the, the existing circumstances, what had, had been spoken was going to happen. He was not going to live. He was already gravely ill at the point of death. And the prophet said, you better set your house in order because you're going to die. But he changed. He changed. And the Lord said to him, the prophet went back in and the Lord said, I've seen your tears and I've heard your prayers. 
And thus says the Lord, you will not die, but you will live. In fact, I'm going to give you 15 more years. Glory to God. Well, well, again, both of those statements were true. The Lord said different things and they were going to happen unless something changed. And thank God we can change things sometimes. Praise the Lord. And then again, he will, show, he will tell you things to come. And often we think they're going to come to pass tomorrow. And sometimes they're not going to come to pass for a year or five years or, or 15 years or 50 years. It's the truth. The Lord will show you some things about your future And we often make the mistake of putting our own interpretation on things and we don't understand the time frame that he's he's talking about. I've seen so many pastors get out of the will of God over that one misunderstanding. They've seen some things about their ministry and what the Lord would do and what God had called them to do and the, the extent and the reach of their ministry and so forth. And they just knew that this was going to happen, you know, they were about to be propelled just in the, in, the, in the short term into these great and marvelous things they saw. And they were really things that, that God revealed to them, but they were for way down the road. And I've seen ministers and pastors go for a, a year or two, and when those things didn't happen, they began to get anxious and begin to fret about those things. Then they begin to think, well, I must be in the wrong place. I must be doing the wrong thing. I must be out of the will of God because the Lord showed me that I was supposed to be doing this and it's not happening. And they slowly start jumping from one place to another. They start leaving churches and trying to find another church where they, where they can uh, find their niche. And so these things can come to pass. And, and they, I've seen ministers, I've seen pastors in particular do this and get out of the will of God. And most of the time, it takes a long time for them to ever get back in the will of God again. I'm thinking about one minister that, that we knew back in the 1980s. He was a, a Rama grad, one of the earlier Word of Faith churches in Florida. And his ministry was growing and he had a good solid church. And he had a, a real uh, powerful anointing. He was effective to, as a minister. And he started getting anxious because his church wasn't growing as fast as he thought it was supposed to. And he envisioned himself, you know, and probably rightly so, ministering to many uh, times as many people as he was ministering to. But it wasn't going to happen. He was in a small town. And so he got out of that place and, and went to another place and tried to start a ministry. And that was in the 1980s. And he's, he's back pastoring again, but his ministry is a shell of what it used to be. He's a, he, this is, you know... I'm not saying this happened because of this, but when you get out of the will of God, all, thing, all kinds of things can go wrong. He ended up being divorced, losing his family, and he married again, found someone, and they've started over, and he's, he's pastoring again. But I think of all of the years where he floundered, he went from one place to another. He tried one thing. He tried to start a church, and that wouldn't work. He went someplace else and tried to start a church, and that went, and then he just, he just dropped off the radar. For many, many years, never heard anything from him or about him. And then in the last five years or so, I've seen, you know, he's, he's trying to get started in ministry again. I tell you what, you cannot put your own interpretation. If God says something to you and you see something, just take it. 
and let God do it. Let God do it. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. This is good, good teaching. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's, let's stop here. Praise God. Oh, thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the teacher, the helper, the spirit of truth. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we're grateful that you saw fit to send this this wonderful person, the Holy Spirit, to live in us, the spirit of truth. So we don't have to go through life in the dark. We don't have to go through life living by our own wits and our own abilities and our own ways. You've provided leading, guidance, revelation, wisdom, understanding, all that we need to finish our course is deposited down on the inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Father, help us to look to him more. Help us to look to him more. To have ears that hear and eyes that see, Father. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.